Hi, this is Pastor Mike from Compass in Monterey County. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast. I hope it encourages you and gives you confidence that Jesus is by your side and that his plans for you are to bless you. Who thinks that his prayers are too simple to get God's attention. And so you need a professional to supercharge your prayers with the right kind of vocabulary in order to get God's attention. Let me ask you, if you're a father, when your children were little, and one of them brought you a drawing, it wasn't professional. They colored outside the lines. It was mostly scribbling. But could your child do a bad drawing? No child can do a bad drawing. And neither can you make a bad prayer to your Father in Heaven. You don't need to be a professional to talk to your Father. You just need to speak from your heart with simple words. Because no child can do a bad drawing for his Father. Today I'd like to show you how... Simple prayers and simple words can move the hands of God to do things that otherwise would not happen in your life. And I'm calling this message on prayer, Wasting Time with God. It's kind of a curious title for a preacher to give a message on prayer, don't you think? Wasting Time with God. Well, over the last six months, in various venues, I've been asking people, how many of you believe in prayer? Would you raise your hands? Almost everybody raises their hands. Now, you don't need to raise your hand on this one. But in all these venues, I've been asking also, well, if you believe in prayer, how many of you prayed today? And... Fewer hands go up. And then I ask, for those of you who prayed today in these settings, I've asked, how many of you prayed for ten minutes or more? And usually only one or two hands go up. And then I ask, how many of you who prayed today have prayed for more than thirty minutes? And no hands ever go up. In our church, I was thinking, that's less time than it takes to put on makeup. It's less time than for many of us it takes to read the sports page or to watch TV. Or it's less time than we take every day to text or to talk on the phone. Just 30 minutes. But no one has that kind of time. And so maybe... A title like Wasting Time with God is really not such a bad title for a message on prayer. You know, I'm not blaming anyone. This morning I am talking to myself. Because prayer is so unnatural for me. It is a struggle for me to pray every day because I have this metabolism and attention span of a hummingbird And I'm busy. 
I'm just like you. I have more things on my to-do list than I can possibly do in a day. There's this pressure of time that I feel almost every day. And like you, my natural tendency is to multitask spiritually. And what I mean by that is I shoot up quickie prayers as I'm in the shower or driving the car. That's my tendency. But the idea of getting on my knees for even ten minutes is so much resisted within my nature. So as one hummingbird to another, I'd like to admit to you that every day I have to talk myself into prayer. I have to give myself a good talking to in order for me to stop long enough to spend time with God. I remind myself of Jesus' promises that He gives us that I spoke about last week in Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus says, Ask and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. Seek and you shall find. Jesus' promises that simple prayers, just children asking the Father in heaven, of a non-professional move the hands of God. And Jesus there in those promises is saying to us, there are things God only does if we spend time with Him in prayer. There are doors that will not open unless we spend time in prayer. There are things that will not happen unless we change our attitude towards prayer, that it's not wasting time with God. As long as we have that kind of attitude and succumb to it, there are so many things, God says, that He would have done, but we thought spending time with Him was wasting time. The Bible's very blunt. In James chapter 4 verse 3 it says, You do not have because you did not ask God. God tells King Hezekiah his life is about over. And Hezekiah goes to God in prayer and he asks God to add years to his life. And God says in Isaiah 38, verse 6, I have heard your prayers. I will add 15 years to your life. That happened only because he spent time with God in prayer and asked. If he had not prayed, 15 years would not have been added to his life. It's as simple as that. Wasting time with God... Everyone I know who believes in prayer but does not spend much time in prayer says they should pray more. And maybe you say that. You do believe in prayer and you say to yourself, I should pray more. Somehow prayer, this great invitation, has been reduced to a should Something we should do. The devil has tricked us. Because if he can turn prayer into something we should do, he has won because 
people almost never do what they should do. Am I right? Once you reduce prayer to should, you probably won't do it. Because should is such a weak motivator. Actually, it's demotivating. Because if I should do it, I'd probably resist it. Let me ask you. If someone were to give you season tickets to the 49er or Giants game, would you go home to your wife or your husband and say, you know, I should use these. I should go. Or if God were to give women here, or someone was to give you a $1,000 gift certificate to one of San Francisco's most fashionable stores, would you go home to your husband and say, you know, I should use this. That's what we're doing with prayer. This, these phenomenal, lavish promises from Jesus Christ. And now we've reduced it to a spiritual discipline. And who needs discipline? Every one of us has to make up our own mind. Is prayer wasting time with God? Every day I talk to myself about Jesus' promises. And I talk myself into being still for a while and praying. Because I don't want to get to heaven and find out there were things that God would have done. But I didn't think it was worth my time to pray. I don't want to get to heaven and find out that I was so egotistical that I thought what I did in the visible world was more important than what I asked God to do in the invisible world. I don't want to get to heaven and find out that the real potential in my life and my family's life was missed because I thought prayer was a should. Let me show you my biggest secret for powerful prayer. I want to tell you the number one secret that I have found for powerful prayer, and it's this. Mainly, I show up. Mainly, I show up. What impresses God is not some super language, spiritual language. What impresses God is that I show up and that I don't think spending time with Him is a waste of time. That's what impresses God. That someone doesn't think it's a waste of time. I don't use weird words like in that video. I pray simply from my heart. And that's what gets God's attention. When I first became a Christian, my Young Life leader taught me a pattern of prayer that I still use. I pray in other ways. But this is my favorite pattern of prayer after all these years. And this pattern of prayer helps break the hummingbird habit in me because um, it gives me a pattern that breaks this idea of arrow-gimme prayers. And it enriches my prayer so that it becomes very satisfying. And I'd like to share it with you this morning. 
First, I start my prayers with adoration. Adoration is simply praising God for what He's like. I just praise Him for who He is. Let me give you an example. On my knees, I'll start like this. Lord, I praise You that You are the Creator of all things. You're the Creator God. And You are... When you created, you created all this beauty out of nothing. I thank you, Lord, that so often in my life, you don't need any material, any raw material to create beautiful things out of what is ugly. Lord, I thank you that you have, you have shared life with me. You are life. And that you are such a giver that you wanted to give me and my family and all those I love. You wanted to give us life. I thank you, God, that you are so sacrificial. I thank you that you died on the cross for me. I can't get my mind around what it would be like to die for someone who doesn't even think of you, who doesn't even care about you, who offends you in so many ways like I did before I knew you, that you died for me while I was yet a sinner who rejected you. Lord, thank you that you are so sacrificial. Lord, I praise you that you are so unconditionally loving that there's nothing I've ever done that's made you love me any less. Then I just go on. Just thinking about what God is like and praising Him. Maybe even as I did that, it might be that some of you began to experience what adoration does in prayer. What it does is build my faith. It builds my hope that this God who is like this means that good things are going to be given to me in the future. It douses my depression, my discouragement, my self-pity, because as I praise God for what He's like, I get a bigger picture of God. That alone is reason enough to pray. The second thing that I do is I confess. Confession. After I've praised him, I move into confession. Ali, by any measure, is one of the greatest athletes of all time. You may not realize this, but Ali won his biggest victory some 20 years after he retired from the ring. It was a victory against his toughest opponent, his ego, himself. He finally admitted that he had stepped over the line and said cruel and unacceptable things to Joe Frazier. He had called Frazier an Uncle Tom, said that Frazier was too ugly and dumb to be a champion, and many other humiliating things. And Ali went public and said, I am sorry. I apologize. I said things that were not only untrue, but unfair. The fact of the matter is, Fraser's grandparents were slaves. He was no Uncle Tom. 
And the fact of the matter is that Frazier defended Ali when he refused induction into the army and was stripped of his crown. He stood up for him. The fact of the matter is Frazier was a lion heart. And in three massive wars in the ring, he stood toe-to-toe with Ali. In the first fight, it went a full 15 rounds, and Frazier won the decision. Both fighters were taken to the hospital, and it took months to recover from that war. In the second and third fight, Ali won, but the edge of victory was razor-thin. Two superb, lion-hearted athletes, equal in the ring. Ali was wrong. And it took him 25 years to admit it, but he finally did. Could be that some of us here this morning are a little late in admitting. Confession and prayer is the first step to admitting to other people. Don't be late in admitting. Ali has a big ego and confession was hard for him because it was humbling. And maybe that's why most of us have a hard time admitting anything to our wife or husband, to our children, to our boss, taking responsibility, or to God because of ego. Our ego is such a barrier to spiritual life. Notice Ali was specific about what he admitted. So often I think we try to speed up our prayers with global confession. Lord, forgive me of all I have done wrong. Which is a colossal cop-out. We have to be specific in our sin because if we do this colossal cop-out of forgive me of my sins, we have said nothing and so it means nothing and changes nothing in us. Ali was specific. A friend of mine was telling me this last week that most people think God should be grateful if we pray at all. And the idea of spending time Listening for God to speak to us in prayer just seems like it's adding more time that we don't have. And besides, my friend told me, people think no one ever hears a voice. So why bother to waste time listening for one? For years, every morning, I've taken this hummingbird and talked him into getting on his knees. And when I come to this confession part of prayer, this is what I say. Lord, I want you to walk me through yesterday. Let's walk through it together. And uh, let's go through each part of it and how I talk to people and what I was thinking and What I did when no one was watching, let's walk through that and you speak to me about anything that I didn't do so well and I need to change. And then I start. Do you think I hear a voice? 
No. No voice comes out of the air. Do you think things pop into my mind that I don't want to face? Yes. Do you think there are things that suddenly come into my mind that I resist, that I would never admit? Yes. God speaking to me in the natural with the supernatural. It changes me. I dare you to do that. For all of you who say that God does not speak to us, I dare you to get on your knees tomorrow and ask the Lord to walk you through today and see if things don't come to your mind that you do need to confess and change. Wasting time with God. That alone will do more for your relationship with your children and with your spouse and with people at work. That will do more good than ten tapes and ten self-help books. I guarantee it. A.W. Tozer, who was a spiritual giant, one of my favorite spiritual writers, wrote, As a person prays, so he is. Gimme, gimme, gimme prayers. That's one kind of person. But a person who confesses before the Lord and asks the Lord to speak to him about his sin, that's another kind of person. You will become, you will change into a different person. As a person prays, so he is. Confession is the second step in the style of prayer that I've learned to pray. Do you confess? Third, thanksgiving. Reading about David Rothenberg changed my life. He's had more than 60 surgeries and will have scores more. That means that he will double the number of surgeries that he's already had. Imagine that. This is what happened to David. You see, when he was six years old, he was burned over 90% of his body. The reason is that his father gave him a sleeping pill and then doused him with kerosene and lit him on fire. When David has been asked why he is not bitter, why he rejoices so much, why he does not blame God, and why he is not wallowing in self-pity, this is what he says, I am alive. I am thankful that I did not miss out on life. (laughs) Thanksgiving. I'm guessing some of us this morning are angry at God and some of us this morning probably have developed a hard heart that's critical, that's passive-aggressive or even aggressive towards people. Some of us, I bet, this morning are marinating ourselves in self-pity. I know what it's like 
to be tempted with self-pity. When life has been cruel to you, I prayed for God, I told you last week, to heal my son of paranoia, schizophrenia, and instead John hung himself. Last week I spoke about why there is unanswered prayer and why God did not answer the biggest prayer of my life. I spoke about why I don't blame God and why it is that Susie and I are closer to God than we ever were before and pray more than we ever did before and believe more in prayer. If you weren't here and you're interested, you'll have to get the CD because all I'm saying this morning is this. The practice of thanksgiving keeps you from the terrible choice of self-pity. It keeps you vibrant in life and looking forward to the good that is ahead instead of being stuck in the past. It is an essential part of daily prayer. Every morning I name my blessings one by one in prayer. And as I do that, my heart is lifted and filled and I realize just how good God is. And it does away with my discouragements and things that I begin to feel hopeless about. Because I remember all that God has done in the past and He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Philippians 4, verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Prayer, wasting time with God. Not if you include thanksgiving and practice it then it does so much to your attitude and perspective, and it will change your life. Fourth, supplication. Supplication is just a big word that means to ask for things, to ask God. Look again at Philippians 4, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. That means there's nothing too small and nothing too big. And don't worry about it being a selfish prayer because he says in everything that concerns your heart. Eric Clapton does some of my favorite music. I love his stuff, his guitar work, and especially his early work. And so when his autobiography came out this last year, I was really interested. Everybody knows Clapton has not been exactly a saint. He struggled with booze and drugs and all kinds of things in his life. You may not know this, but along the way he became a Christian. And in his autobiography, he frankly admits that he backslid a long way and did things that were wrong. And then his four-year-old son fell from the window of his apartment and was killed. And he wrote one of his most famous songs about that grief. He says in his book, he hit rock bottom. Despite all his fame, all his millions of dollars, despite all the power he had, all the influence he had, he could not control so much in his life. 
Despite all of this, he could not even protect his own son. He came face to face with just how helpless he was in so many situations. You know, I stopped reading at that point and You know, I thought of all the people through my ministry that I've met who are pretending to be God. By that I mean they pretend they're in control. They actually think they're in control. That's what's funny. They think because they have influence, they have maybe money, maybe life is going so well. They actually think they are in control. And I've seen so many people try to control their spouse, control their children, control people at work, pretending they are God. It is just human nature to think that we are self-made, independent people. It's our pride. But the truth is, there is precious little you are in control of. Precious little. Clapton writes, and I quote, In the privacy of my room, I begged God for help. I'd come to the end of my rope, and getting down on my knees, I promised that I would pray and depend upon Him every day. And from that day to this, I have never failed to pray in the morning on my knees asking for help, and then again at night to express thanksgiving for my life and my sobriety. I chose to kneel because I need to humble my enormous ego. If you ask why I do this, I will tell you, because it works. It's as simple as that. Kneeling, humbling yourself before God as a human being. Wasting time with God. Our ego gets in the way of so much that God would do, including prayer. If we would humble ourselves, get on our knees, and not act so self-important, so busy, and just think it's worth spending time with the Creator God, our Savior Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Amazing things would happen in you. If you're married, I want you to know it just grieves me as a pastor how few of us as married couples pray together. Very, very few of us spend any time praying together. But it is the single most important thing you can do for your relationship. Just ten minutes, one night a week, on your knees beside each other, talking simply to God. I ask you to do that. To experiment with it till Christmas. And then tell me what it has done for your relationship. Dads, 
you are called to be the spiritual leader of your home. And one of the most important things, if you're serious about being a Christian man and a godly man, is you need to lead your wife into prayer. Even if you have never prayed out loud, by, it's your wife after all. Just speak to God simply. And then with your children, ask them to come beside you. Tell them they do not have to pray, but you would like to pray for them. And let them hear you pray for them for just five minutes. It would do amazing things in your children's lives. Prayer, wasting time with God. It doesn't matter how you pray. I've just shown you my favorite way to pray. It's called the ACTS way of praying, A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. It helps the hummingbird in me stay on my knees because I have an agenda. Wasting time with God. Everyone will have to decide that for themselves. Pray with me. Lord, I, I don't know quite how to pray. Because I know a message on prayer often does not change much. So I ask you, the Holy Spirit, to be working in our lives and to help us to do the hardest thing in the world, and that is to make a change in our time schedule. And I pray right now you'd be working in us, especially those of us who are married and all of us who are parents, to be willing to do something new together and maybe to take a risk on this five or ten minutes in prayer deal. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast of Dr. Mike from Compass Church in Salinas. We hope you're encouraged by his practical Bible-based teaching 